Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Greg Howard from Vivin. Greg, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's really nice to be here. Absolutely. So yeah, I'd love to just hear a little bit about you, your company, what you're doing, and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so I'm VP of Marketing for Vivin. It's a new B2B persona we're targeting, the solutions team, often known as pre-sales or sales engineering. They're the ones who work closely with the sales rep to get the technical win and to prove out the product's capabilities. Our thesis is that buyers have become very sales-proof. They don't trust salespeople. They want to have full control of the process. They want immediate access to technical expertise. And so they're more likely to trust the solutions team than they are the sales rep. But that team, a very highly compensated, very capable team, has never had a platform of their own. I'm a marketer. I've got Marketo. Sales has had Salesforce. Customer success has Gainside. But the solutions team, who's absolutely critical to closing deals, has never had anything. So Vivin brings a suite of products to help the solutions team deliver incredible buyer experiences and kind of win over that sales-proof buyer. Very cool. What does marketing look like from a high level? What sorts of things are you doing? Who's your buyer? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, the category that Vivin is going after is new to me. It's actually kind of new to everybody. We have very, very little competition, but essentially it's enterprise software. So from that standpoint, that's nothing new to me. And so the portfolio of marketing tactics I use to drive pipeline is, is pretty familiar. Field marketing, fortunately, now that we're mostly past the pandemic, it's been great to bring that online again. Digital webinars, virtual events, and of course, making the website work over time for you. Nothing too revolutionary there. I'll say the mix of what we're doing has been a little different at Vivin than we've used in other places. Very interesting. So now that we're kind of past the pandemic and bringing back field marketing, how are you balancing digital versus field marketing to build your pipeline? Yeah. I mean, it's been really great to bring field marketing back. It's interesting because the persona we go after, which is kind of half salesperson, half product expert with a little bit of technical engineer built in is a very sociable persona. They're not wallflowers. They like to engage with people. And I think that they were really left high and dry by the lack of events and places to network. So even during the pandemic, I started doing this motion, which was certainly not unique to me. A lot of marketers figured it out, which is a virtual event where we would send out wine and beer through the mail, invite our persona to a Zoom call, have a professional taster, walk them through what they just had, and then talk a little bit about Vivid. And that became an incredible pipeline driver. And I think people loved it because they just weren't able to go and see their peers. Now that we are doing field marketing again, we're still keeping that motion because people still like it. But we're doing a variety of field marketing events, both kind of ground level, which is your rent out a steakhouse or a bar or do an executive dinner, as well as a very high end field marketing motion where you go after just the VPs of very large organizations and take them for like a two day retreat and really engage them in thought leadership. So there's various levels of field marketing we're due to kind of engage our persona and they're all working quite well. That's really cool. Is there any particular thing you've tried recently that you're excited about or the, the two-day retreat? That sounds like uh, really interesting. Yeah, I'm lucky, right? Because I joined this company in seed stage. I certainly didn't have the resources to do that back then, but now we're at series C and I've got a little bit more budget to play with. So I'm able to kind of take big swings like that. It's not something I would recommend for a series A company, but when you start to get traction, it's a very good way of activating the economic buyer who might not normally respond to anything else you do. They're not going to sign up for a webinar. They're not going to reply to an email, but you invite them to something like this and you might get their attention. And so we actually just ran one in Barcelona for our European team. We're about to run one in Miami. And so far they've been very successful. 
On the digital side, I'm super excited about some of the account-based marketing we're doing. We're doing this very painstaking series of ads where you look at the sales reps, top 40 or 50 accounts, then create banner ads and landing pages, really personalize those accounts, run them through LinkedIn and, and activate them. And that's uh, a new motion for us, but so far it's had a lot of success. And in terms of these uh, campaigns where you invite people out to dinner or tasting or even the, the two-day retreat, how do you actually find these folks to come and how do you make sure you don't invite 50 people and, and there's only three slots? Like, how does all that work? I hope we have that problem very soon. So far, we've not encountered that particular problem. It's interesting. It's kind of like running a demand gen portfolio. There's no silver bullet. Everything works a little bit. And so you have to do everything. And so marketing never assumes that we're going to get support from sales, although at Vivin, uh, which is a great culture, we always do. We always assume that we have to run everything ourselves. So we'll do everything you'd expect. Email ads. Uh, if it's a local event, we can do digital ads through LinkedIn that target our persona only in that geographic area. Uh, we can run conversational ads through LinkedIn, which is a new motion. And then we activate the SDR team to help us. We come up with incentives to get them on board, take out some time from their prospecting and calling to, to help us drive attendance to the event. And the sales reps get it too, right? If they're able to drive their prospects and their opportunities to the event, they're going to help boost their pipeline. So you basically have all those things working in concert. And my goal is for marketing to fill up more than 50% of all those events. And in most cases, we succeed. And then the SDR and the AE team is going to bring in their share too. So it's difficult. One of the actually tricks I learned lately, which is the most tactical roll up your sleeves thing possible, is to hire freelancers to send invitations through in-mail. And we all know we're barraged by in-mails all the time. But if you're inviting them to an interesting event or experience, that typically breaks through the noise and in-mail can sometimes get through in a way that email can't. So by having a motion for doing in-mails to scale through a network of freelancers, that's another effective way to drive event attendance. It's so funny you mentioned that because we're doing a lot of that similar stuff when it comes to podcasts and promoting the content and actually using it to drive some event attendance too. So that's really cool. Exactly. Just another way to get to your persona in a way they might ordinarily ignore everything, but this one tactic breaks through the wall and that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. And that's a little bit different than the SDR team doing that. How do you decide, is SDR team going to shake trees for these events or are we going to have like someone more on the marketing side inviting folks? Well, like I said, I think we all have to play our part and marketing tries to take as much of the burden as we can, but we try to make it worth the while for the SDR team to help us. So I'll just give you an example. If an outbound SDR prospects a lead and uses the event as a hook to drive the event, and then they set up a meeting out of it, typically something sourced from the event is sort of accredited to marketing, but I care less about credit than I do about the pipeline number for the quarter and the success of the company. So I'll actually credit the outbound SDR for that. Say, hey, it was our event, we budgeted for it, but you drove the lead and you helped us fill up that event, so you get it. And it's your meeting and marketing is gonna back off from that. And that is a great incentive for the SDR team to help drive people to our events, while at the same time, putting pressure on marketing to get our own attendees there so we do get our credit. So it's it's a kind of a friendly competition, a healthy tension, if you will, that benefits everybody, but incentivizes everybody from a pipeline perspective to drive that attendance. That's awesome. Any tools, activities, things you've found to work particularly well? Obviously, you're in this space, so are there any emerging using intent data or, or anything, for example, that you found to work really well? 
They do use a little intent data. We're a customer of G2, which which has been very interesting. That's actually something I haven't used before, but it's a nice way to kind of get a more modern analyst take on our space and to drive some intent-based leads. One tool that we found that we, we were kind of excited about Talking about digital marketing and events, we're doing a big virtual event next month called Unexpected, where we're inviting not just solution leaders, but also sales and marketing leaders, product leaders, all to kind of a, a virtual conference where we talk about the new motion and B2B buying and selling. And we looked at a lot of different platforms, uh, how to host that event. I don't want to name names and like ding people, but there's a lot of virtual event platforms out there. A lot of them that sprang up during the pandemic and became very hot. And none of them were super exciting, but there's a company that actually has a mutual investor of ours in usual ventures called Goldcast, which was kind of more what we were looking for, which was an event platform that understands that you're not just trying to do the tactical host a speaker and have a Q&A and just something that everybody else does, but they're really geared to deliver an experience. The way they engage the audience, the way they take feedback, the way they're able to cross-pollinate what the audience is doing with what the speaker is doing with a great branding experience that to me is kind of the next wave of, of digital events and virtual events. So it's called Goldcast and we, we were just starting to use them for our next event. And to me, that's a, a nice next generation platform that I hadn't seen before. And I, I don't, I'm not an investor, so this is all free advertising. No one's paying me to say any of this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I actually attended an event on Goldcast. It was one of their own events a few weeks ago. And I really enjoyed the experience. I thought it was really great. And well put together and the software is awesome. I, I, I said I wouldn't name names. I'll just say at the other end of that perspective, you got GoToWebinar and then you got, you know, Goldcast over here. So there's a lot of people in between, but that's that's what I've seen so far. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned a few different channels. So you have email, in-mail, LinkedIn. Which ones are you really like placing your big bets on that you're like, hey, this has been by far our best channels? This is just speaking about our ideal customer persona we're going after. The solutions team can be a little hard to, to pin down because their tiles are completely fragmented. There's pre-sales, solutions architects, sales engineers, so sort of your typical marketing database like ZoomInfo has some of that contact information, not a lot of it. So it's it's a kind of a difficult persona to go after. So LinkedIn is really our sweet spot because people tell you what their title is and then they hang out on the groups that matter to you and then you can target them. So the account-based marketing that I was referring to is very effective using LinkedIn as the way to reach them. And then, like I said, it's just kind of building up our own community, driving our own events, our own two-day offsites, our own executive dinners. And one of the things I'm starting to do is to build up um, what we're calling the expert community, an invite-only group where we bring people into the Slack community, not to sell to them, but to talk about things they care about and to try and, and do some thought leadership that way. So those are all the channels I'm using to reach a buyer, which honestly people haven't been marketing to. So we're building up our own channels to reach them at, at the same time as we're actually executing our campaigns. Absolutely. It's interesting. So, so there's this concept of marketing like a media company and creating content. And I think there's a struggle now that I hear from a lot of marketers of balancing brand awareness with demand gen and, and growth. And there's so many different things you can be doing. How should you look at those two things as a company and should everyone be all in on demand right now, especially the economy and all that stuff? Should you still do some content brand awareness? What should, what should your approach to that be? It's an interesting question because to me, content and demand are completely inseparable. Um, demand is nothing without the right storytelling behind it, which is why sometimes when, when CEOs will ask me, well, should I hire a product marketer or a demand gen person first? I'm like, 
uh, you could hire either one, but you got to make sure that there's some balance on the other side of it. Like either you as a CEO are providing the storytelling that's going to make your demand gen person successful, or you're going to have an awesome product marketing person who's going to have some sort of resources to do demand, but you, you can't have one without the other. So I, I do believe in content creation, not as a means to itself, or even necessarily just for brand awareness, but because without the right content, you're not going to activate any kind of demand. If you're not telling a story that people care about, that speaks to the world that they're living in, no one's going to raise their hand and say, hey, you know what, I need to check this out. So I wouldn't say that I've cracked the code on being a media company. I think it's a hard thing to do, even at Series C and with an amazing team behind me, we're still missing some pieces to probably make that vision a reality. But we are creating a lot of content and we are packaging it and we are using it in outbound channels. And I, we're not relying on someone else's content is ours. And we have, we're lucky we have some amazing experience solutions people at the company who can talk us, tell us about what, uh, including my CEO, Matt Darrow, who led, led Zora all the way through IPO leading their solutions team. His experiences and his content all roll in our campaign so we're able to activate our, our persona. And so I, I guess my answer is without content, there's no demand. So I, I, find, I find that those, those things can't really be separated. Brand's a different question, but I would say if you do all things really well, you're going to raise their brand profile as well. Great content and great storytelling and great demand at an early stage of the company make for a great brand impression as well. So as we're wrapping up here, what things are you tracking, measuring? How are you like looking at overall success of pipeline and all that stuff? Yeah, Vivian's got a very focused on great unit economics. So as we grow quickly, we want to have the right um, optics from a financial standpoint. So I, I actually have a mandate to, I think it's okay to share this. You, you spend $1, you get 12X in pipeline return. So my that's that's how I track it. If I have a dollar to spend, it has to become a sales qualified opportunity that represents 12 times that amount. And so I'm able to track that throughout the year and say, you know, first quarter, okay, to we're about 3X, now we're about 5X, 7X, and make sure that, that everything I'm doing is going to track to that. It doesn't mean that it's all going to work. I might do a big you know, field event that just doesn't produce anything, or maybe it only produces a little bit, but then you've got another event that's going to overexceed and produce a lot. You peanut butter that out. And by the time you're done, you see that you've created 12 times more money in pipeline than you had in budget, both people and programs. And I track that through lead sources and through attribution as best we can. It's always a challenge, but it can be done. That's how I know whether my team is doing what we're set out to do. Absolutely. That's a great rule of thumb. Well, Greg, it's been awesome to have you on. Thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom, insights, and all your knowledge here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brad. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely.